If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. The last two weeks we have walked through together. Two weeks ago we talked about prayer. And then last week we talked about, anybody remember? Fasting, all right. We talked about prayer, we talked about fasting. And this week we are talking together about forward motion, all right? Prayer, fasting, and forward motion. And you're going to think I'm a little crazy, which would not be outside of the norm, uh, but we're not really going to talk about moving forward this morning as much as we're going to talk about waiting and being patient. And this is why. If you were to go to, let's say, New York City, if you could see it in your mind, go to New York City or maybe even Boston or some big city, and you refuse to follow the traffic signs. You say, you know what? I'm above the traffic signs. I'm above the stoplights. Red and yellow mean nothing to me. It's all green, baby, right? Like maybe, maybe that was your, is your idea when you go into the city. How many of you feel like that would end well? No, it would, it would be chaos. It would be frustrating. And ultimately, it could very possibly lead to brokenness. And so this morning, what I want to look at together and what I want to think about is how God has strategically placed some red lights and some yellow lights in our lives. He's caused us to stop and to yield, not to hold us back or to keep us from promise, but to safely get us there. Y'all don't have to amen this morning, but, but, but I, I want you to hear that. I want you to grab a hold of that. Some of you are sitting on red this morning, and you're frustrated with God. You're yielding in life right now. There's a season of where it kind of feels like it's stop and go, and you're just really frustrated, and you're, you're waiting, and you're, God, you told me this was going to happen. God, you gave me this promise. Why is the light red? Can I just say this before we even get into the text this morning, that a delay does not mean a denial? great theologian said that. He says, we pray and we pray and we pray, and sometimes God makes us delay, but that does not mean denial. Waiting is the worst, right? I mean, would, would anybody agree with that? Oh, uh, let, let, let me paint a different picture for you then. Uh, you pull up to, a, uh, to get your oil changed, and the guy tells you, hey man, we're going to have you in and out of here in 15 minutes. you got a pretty big meeting in front of you, so you, 15 minutes? I can give 15 minutes. An hour and 30 minutes later, your car is still not on the rack. Is waiting the worst? Right? You, you are famished, and you, you, the, the preacher preached way past 12 o'clock, and you're sitting down to lunch to eat dinner, and they say, you know, we're a little busy, but your food's going to be out shortly, and an hour later, you still have no food. Waiting is the worst, right? You deeply desire to have a child, and for a season, you're waiting, Waiting seems like the worst. You desire to have a spouse, a helpmate, a friend, a confidant, someone closer than anyone else in your life, and God just doesn't, hasn't seemed to provide them. Waiting is the worst. 
You have these dreams and visions in your heart, these goals, these things that you desire to attain in this life, and it seems like roadblock after roadblock, and you just aren't there yet, and waiting is the worst. Or is it? What if waiting is really just patient worship while God works out the details and does his thing in his timing for his glory and his will and his purpose? What if waiting is just another way that we get to worship? Today, I want to give you six undeniables of waiting. And if you're taking notes, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 10. We're going to read 1 through 13. And and if you are taking notes, if not, I just want you to remember really, really well this morning. Point number one is there is a wrestle in the waiting. In Daniel chapter 10, it said in the third year of King of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Listen to this. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself for three full weeks. And on the 24th day of the fourth month, I was standing on the bank of the great river that is Tigris. And I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, linen, He had gold around his waist and his body was like barrel and his face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were flaming torches. His arms and legs gleamed of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this vision. No strength was left in me and my radiant appearance appearance was fearfully changed. And I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. (laughs) Hear that this morning, church. O Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. I was left there with the the king of Persia. And came to make you understand what has happened to your people in the latter days for the vision for the days to come. I want to make no mistakes about it this morning. We we should not assume anything other than the truth this morning. And that is that in the waiting there is a wrestle. There is real life spiritual warfare going on right now around us. And in our lives, there has sometimes been a delay. And like I said, it might be a promotion. It might be a financial position. It might be a a helpmate or a friend or an accountability group or even finding the right church. And you feel like since day one that you prayed, you've been pressing against a wrestle. And you think, surely God would have showed up by now. Surely he would have spoken by now. God is ignoring me. God is not listening to me. But what if this morning there was a wrestle in the cosmos because your worship and your praise is going to dismantle the work of the enemy? Woo! What if? What if Satan and a third of the angels that fell, we now call those demons, 
are not just sitting, sitting idly by waiting on Jesus to come back and blow them up in destruction and bondage for eternity. What if they are actively warring against your soul? What if we believe scripture when he said the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? And what if this morning you were encouraged because you've been heard? And when God shows up, he's going to affirm you in love. Hey, hey, Daniel, beloved one. <laughs> Some of you are sitting in your waiting and think, man, God surely couldn't love me. He would have answered by now. See, that's the first thing that the enemy begins to play with our heart and mind when there's this delay in life. Well, if God really loved you, he would have done this. If God really loved you, he would have healed you by now. If God really loved you, he would have sent you this by now. Shows up on the scene. Hey, Daniel, <laughs> you're loved. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about business. There's been a wrestle in the heavenlies for your soul. Today, you, you may be in the waiting Make no mistake that there is a wrestle in the waiting. But don't lose heart. If you're taking notes, jot this down. If not, just remember really, really well. Not only is there a wrestle in the waiting, but there is also a reason for the waiting. There is a reason for the waiting. I want to tell you the story, and I'm not going to read you uh, several chapters, but I want to tell you the story of a young man named Joseph in the Bible. Joseph has a dream. And he dreams that his brothers and his dad and everybody in his neighborhood is just kind of bowing to him. That he is hot stuff. That he's leading them. And Joseph, like any other teenager, he finishes having the dream. He wakes up and he runs to his dad and his brothers. Hey, guys, I want to I tell you something. You're all going to bow to me. Now, in southern terms, that went over like a, a lead chicken. All right, that's how we would say it down here. It flew like a lead chicken. All of a sudden, because God had put this dream and this gift in the heart of Joseph, his brothers began to hate him. They even went as far as to say, when he was walking across the field, they said, hey, look, just, there comes the dreamer. The dreamer's on his way. So then his brothers start to kind of scheme together, and, and one brother's like, you know what, let's just kill him. Another brother steps up, he's like, no, 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 no. let's just throw him in a hole. Another brother says, no, 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 let's just sell him into slavery. So I want you to see this. Joseph has a dream he'll be a great leader. He's sold into slavery. While he's in slavery, he kind of works up through the, the ranks and, and pleases his master. And his master kind of sets him over some of the affairs of his house. And then he's wrongly accused of sexual advances. And he's thrown into prison. Now listen to this. Genesis 39, 19 through 23. This is how your servant treated me. His anger was kindled against me. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. I, I love this. I hope you're grabbing a hold of this. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor inside of the keeper of the prison. And now the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison didn't even pay any attention anymore to what Joseph was doing because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Listen, there are some of you that in this life, you have had deep dreams and deep desires and received great promises from God, but you feel like you have been imprisoned in your doubts. You have been imprisoned by your fears. 
You feel like you've been placed in the dungeon of despair and those dreams and visions and goals and desires are never going to come to pass. You know what I'm so thankful for? That instead of whining, Joseph began leading. Instead of blaming God for his position, Joseph kept an open ear. Instead of stiff-arming God and being frustrated and bitter with God because God had put him in this prison. Hear that. God had put him in this prison. Instead of that, he leans in a little closer. He begins to bloom where he was planted. He goes into a place that, that that light would never have reached. That gospel would never have permeated. Think about this. You might be walking through the darkness in your life today. You might be in the prison of doubt, fear, anxiety. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but he does. You might be right there because you're the one that God has sovereignly aimed to take light to the dark places. And God is cultivating in you a confidence to carry your dreams and vision into the darkness, knowing that God is not going to abandon you, but there is a reason in the waiting. Catch you up to speed where we are in the story. Joseph in the prison begins to interpret some dreams. He was clearly Pentecostal. People started dreaming and he started interpreting. And then he's placed in leadership. Literally, Pharaoh looks at him and says, Hey man, when it comes to authority and leadership in this country, there's no one else beside me. The only thing that makes me better than you is that I'm sitting on this throne. You have all authority, you're the man. And now he, he goes from a palace to a prison, back to a palace, and, and see, there was a reason in the waiting, because God was positioning Joseph to be in the perfect place at the right time for what? For rescue. See, there was a famine coming on the land. Joseph interprets the dream, and they begin to fill up the storehouses, and Joseph is allowed to go and, and get his brothers and bring his brothers in and bring his father into feasting while the world is at famine. Maybe today there is a reason in your waiting, and what if that reason was to lead others to rescue? Is it worth it? Joseph embraced the waiting because he believed his God. He believed that God was not short on his promises and that God had not abandoned him. He knew there was a reason in the waiting. Even though he could not see the reason, he trusted God and his waiting led to the rescue of an entire nation. Come on, an entire nation. Feast in the midst of famine because one man chose to wait. Not only do we wrestle in the waiting and there is a reason for the waiting but waiting is the proving ground of our faith waiting is the proving ground of our faith it's the place where our faith has an opportunity to be on display I'll say it to you this way Abraham I was 75 years old when God said hey Abraham I'm going to give you a son and that was so insane to Abraham that he, he they begin to laugh and you know kind of I don't think that ever goes well laughing in God's face but 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 there, there's just this hilarious moment where Abraham's 75 years old and God's like, no, I don't think you understand. I'm bringing a promise to you that is going to set up the future generation and through you is going to be the lineage of the Savior that's going to come, Abraham. You don't get it. So Abraham buys in. Okay, God. 
and year one passes, and year two passes, and year three passes, and year four passes, and, and he's at year 25. And Isaac is still not on the scene. The promise has still not been fulfilled. See, waiting is the proving ground of our faith. Waiting is, is this space in the in-between, the in-between the promise and the gratification. In between the promise and the promise fulfilled. Waiting is this middle ground where we get to put our faith on display. Where we get to cling to scriptures that say faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That I'm going to believe this promise. I'm going to cling to this promise even though there's not skin on it yet. So Abraham did. And Hebrews 6.15 says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Waiting is the proving ground of your faith. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this one down too. And if you're not taking notes, just remember really well, waiting is the proving ground of your character. Waiting is the proving ground of your character, I I, I promise. Like I said, there are some of us, and whether we're waiting at the doctor's office or we're waiting on the oil change or we're waiting on our food, the longer the waiting drags on, the more our real character begins to be displayed. I don't know if anybody's ever had this experience other than me, so I'll just tell them myself this morning, if that's all right. A little transparent preacher stuff this morning. There have been times before where I've waited so long at a restaurant or whatever that I, I had to communicate how wrong they were and how right I was to be angry and frustrated. And so the waiting revealed my character in the moment, the waiting peeled back the layers of what was actually in my heart. And if we were really honest with ourselves, when we're pressed to a place where we're waiting, what we realize is God is really just digging to the bottom of who we are in him. Waiting proves our character. James 1.4 says, let patience finish its perfect work. So that, when, so that when it does, you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. It is very, very true that our waiting produces in us maturity. One theologian said it right now. It is a great theological concept and idea that your children understand what it means not yet and no. A mature child, when they hear not yet, says okay. They press the brakes and they wait an immature child, when they hear not yet, they think they heard no and they unravel. Their character, their heart, the layers are peeled back from it when we are pressed into the waiting. Can I be honest with you? There are moments in my life where I'm in uh, this holding pattern of waiting. I'm just circling the landings on, knowing God's bringing me and my family into a promise and me, our church into a promise, into his vision and his direction. There are moments where when God peels back the later, I don't really like what I see. I'm like, oh God, cover that back up quick. You may be that way this morning. In the waiting, God may be peeling these layers off and expose some things in your heart that, that you don't really like. And this is one of the beautiful things about Jesus, and th- this is what I want you to grab a hold of this morning. God doesn't resent you in your waiting, even if your character isn't clean. I want you to hear that again. 
God does not resent you in your waiting, even in moments where your character isn't clean. I'll give you an example. Jesus is dying on the cross. And he's saying these beautiful things from the cross like, it is finished, right? And he's looking out over this crowd and, and Jesus makes this promise to his disciples, guys, listen, I'm going to the cross, it's gonna be really ugly, but a few days and I'm gonna rise from the grave and it's gonna be beautiful and you're gonna be empowered and you're gonna take the gospel everywhere. And before the first nail is seated in the wood, bearing Christ's flesh there, they bail on him. All of them save John and some women, Mary and Mary. All of his disciples, no, 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 Jesus, I, I, I can't wait. See, see, the waiting that Jesus was asking from them began to reveal their character, and they absolutely bailed. You know what I love? When Jesus shows up to his disciples a few days later, he had all authority and power to walk in the room and say, you guys are dumb. I was on the cross, I was hanging there, I had nails in my hands and my feet, and I looked up to see the men who, who were going to take the gospel to the world, who were waiting on the promise, and you all scattered like a bunch of roaches when the lights come on. And Jesus could have just really railed them. He doesn't. He's not resentful that their character wasn't clean in their waiting. He doesn't bring resentment when you struggle with waiting. He brings redemption. He brings rescue. Waiting is the proving ground of your character. I, I want you to hear this and, and, and jot this down. Waiting is a season. It's not a settlement. Moses and the children of Israel... We're given this incredible promise from God. God. Guys, listen, I'm going to take you somewhere. This place where it flows with milk and honey. The, the, the grapes are so big you have to put them on a pole between two people and they have to carry them back in. I mean, guys, this is just lush promise. It, it's going to be something you've never seen. But see, in their waiting, in the meantime, they begin to whine. And their waiting turned into whining. And you know what the children of Israel did? They were just content to set up shop in the wilderness. Rather than realizing that their waiting was just a season, they chose to, to camp out and make a settlement in their misery. Can I encourage you today that whatever waiting you're in, it's just a season? Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time for everything. There is an evolution of seasons, this revolving door of seasons. So listen, in your waiting today, don't lose heart. And please, please, please don't set up camp like that's the end of your story. <laughs> He fulfills his promises, and he keeps his word. Last point this morning. First Samuel chapter 1. Hannah desired to have a baby. And uh, there was another woman in Hannah's life that when... 
when Hannah couldn't receive or conceive a child, this other woman in her life would just kind of poke and prod at Hannah. This other woman had children, and she, like, how wicked is this, right? She, she's gloating in front of Hannah, and she's kind of just putting Hannah down. And so year after year, Hannah just cries out to God, God, would you give me a child? God, would you give me a child? God, would you give me a child? And this one time she begins to pray, and she's, she's so outside of her mind in prayer. She's so broken that she looks like a drunk lady. Listen to 1 Samuel 1.12. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. And Hannah said, No, my Lord. I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Jump into verse 20. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And you know what she did? At the end of her waiting, and in the middle of her waiting, Hannah worshipped. See, when she was troubled and she felt anxiety and she was just vexed in her soul, she ran to God. She allowed her her waiting to get swallowed up in worship. And when God finally brings the promise, you think, oh man, Hannah's gonna, Hannah's gonna just prize this child and she's just gonna love Samuel and just hold on to Samuel and never let Samuel go. You know what she does? The moment that he's weaned, the moment that he can transition to real food, Hannah walks him back to the tabernacle and offers him up. To be trained under the leadership of Eli. I like, can you imagine? Her waiting in every sense of the word is just transformed into worship. Church, can I encourage you this morning? The waiting is going to be a wrestle. I know there are some of you, man, we're waiting on a building to be finished. Some of you are waiting on a, a spouse to come into your life, a promotion in your job, financial security. You're waiting for a promise that God is going to unfold. Some of you are waiting to get done with your degree, and you're just like, God, this is never going to be finished. Could I just encourage you to worship this morning in the waiting? Regardless of how you feel, just endeavor in your heart. God, I'm going to worship you. I don't care if it doesn't feel good or feel right in the moment. I know it's a wrestle, but God, I trust that there's a reason, and I'm going to worship. Let's pray together. Father, we trust you this morning. And we trust you in the waiting. We trust that delay does not mean denial. God, we trust this morning that even though there's a wrestle, that you, you have a reason in our waiting. God, that you're, you're allowing this to be a season where our faith is 
proven and our character is exposed. And God, you're doing work that we can't see. So Lord, we pray this morning that as we wait, you would teach us to worship. As we try to follow you patiently, teach us to worship in the waiting. And we'll give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name.